Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. This is BRN AM for Monday, December 11th, 2023. At our top story today, as suicide rates climb, older men are at greater risk. And joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Dr. Yates Conwell is with the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry. Yates, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Pleased to be here, Jeffrey. Thank you. Well, certainly mental health is a big conversation in our society. I think overall we've seen, unfortunately, seen suicide rates kind of increase. This research, um, disturbing as well, as U.S. suicide rates climb, older men are most at risk. I want to get your perspective on this, doctor. It's actually um, long been the case that the, the relative rates across the life course differ quite a lot. And um, wherever you look around the United States, and even in the greatest part of countries around the world, older people are at higher risk than younger and middle-aged people. And older men are at far higher risk than any other age group. So we've known about that for a long time. Uh, what's concerning is the continued change and the increase in that disparity over recent years. Yeah, I apologize for... Um interrupting you, uh, doctor. I, I want to ask you any idea as to why, um, and I think about, you know, recent events, the pandemic, uh, maybe there's some financial strife going on with high inflation costs, um, maybe just some people just not happy with their lives at the, at the point that they are in, but any sense from the data as to why this would be the case for men in, in greater volume compared to w- women? Mm-hmm. I think one thing that's really important to know as a as background for this discussion is that over and over again, it's been shown that older people, both men and women, tend in general to be more satisfied with their lives uh, than our younger and middle-aged people. They tend to be happier. They have other characteristics that they bring with them into older age that make their ability to manage the stressors of later life a little easier. So it's surprising that those suicide rates would be higher in older adults, at least among men, when they are on average a happier bunch. And the the real issue there is that there are a lot of different factors that contribute to risk for suicide at all points in the life course. Um, And that, it's that there are some people uh, in later life who kind of go off the track. They they don't have access to the resources that have made them successful in getting to old age. It's not easy, right? No, I, first, uh, I first got interested in older adulthood. I'm a geriatric psychiatrist. And so uh, I, I see a lot of very sick older people. Um, But I got into that business out of an interest in how resilient most older people were. As a a young person, I I worked as an aide in a rehabilitation hospital. And over and over again, I saw older people come in with 
strokes or or broken hips and just work hard and get back to where they were with a sense of of hope and accomplishment that their lives were were satisfying and and they could get back to that place it's the people who can't for some reason that we're really particularly struck by and and let's talk about the coping mechanisms because you know we're all going through life and we're all going to have nicks and nacks and and things are going to be ups you know ups and downs in our lives have we lost the ability to cope in, in, with these things and maybe we have too some some people have too high expectations like you know i think about the way retirement used to be defined retirement used to be defined you know you're going to be sitting on your rocking chair playing golf with your grandchildren on your knee, right? And you're going to spend 30 plus years playing golf and traveling. But maybe that's not really the reality. Maybe the expectation is higher than the actual reality. Well, maybe, uh, again, uh, just to keep in mind that most people do live that reality in older adulthood. They are happy with their lives. So what distinguishes those for whom that's not working? We've learned a lot over the years about what are the things that distinguish that group of older people and older men in particular who do take their own lives uh, from those who don't and who continue uh, living successfully in their age, old age. Um, those things we, we refer to as the five Ds and those are depression, um, disease or physical illness, disability uh, or functional impairment, disconnectedness, so becoming socially isolated, lonely, disconnected from others, and then access to deadly means, and which in the U.S. and in older adults in particular is about firearm uh, use and access. So knowing that these uh, factors are operative, then we got to ask the question, so how, how do those work together? It's pretty clear everybody, as we age, encounters uh challenges so disease is ubiquitous functional disability comes with the territory um you know a great majority of, of older people in their homes have access to firearms lots of reasons people could become disconnected socially through retirement or or bereavement uh loss of a spouse or friends uh sensory loss as disability and functional impairment and so on so it really does seem that any one or two of those things, older people in general have the capacity through years and years of experience and managing challenges to do fine with them. Yeah. Um, not that it's easy, but it's when they accumulate uh, and, and coalesce in one person at one point in time. Uh, you can imagine it as a, as a, venn diagram with the five d's that are all kind of clustered and overlapping and the if you've got one your risk is a little low is is maybe a little bit higher uh, than the general population if you've got two then it's a little higher still three four and five with the gun in your bedside table then that's when we really become worried so there's something going on in how people can access the resources, older people that they need, uh, those very few people who are running off the rails um, 
who need more help and maybe aren't being recognized for it, aren't being um, allowed to access the things that could mitigate any one of those factors. And if any one changes, then the whole calculus changes. Everybody wants to live successfully. Some well, people want to die, but there's still always a piece at their core of wanting to live better. Well, Dr. Kamala, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about U.S. suicide and, and older adults. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Dr. Conwell, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning. Sure. Um, so, I mean, you know, I think we did a great job, and you, I should say you did a great job kind of unpacking this. And, and uh, you know, I don't know, um, I don't want to call it a... Um, you know, a, a sig you know, a significant like epidemic, but it's certainly dis discouraging that, you know, these numbers are on the rise. So I guess it begs the question, what do we do about this? Is there a role, uh, you know, we're in a, it, it, we are in America's an aging society. So there's a lot of strain on local, federal and state governments to provide resources, but we're all going through our lives. We might have parents, we might have grandparents, we might have aunts and uncles, we're all going through our own lives. We tend to have that tunnel vision. So is there an answer, a clear-cut answer, how we can mitigate this, um, this rise in, in suicide deaths, especially among men? Let me, let me back up uh, uh, to the first comment that you made, that maybe this isn't an epidemic per se. Uh, it's close to that, and here's why. We've got um, this clear pattern present for many, many years that there's an increased risk with age and for men, it just keeps going up and up and up. Um, we also know that also, as you acknowledge, we are in an aging society. Demographic changes in particular, most recently, we're in the middle of the baby boom cohort, that 
group of people born between 1946 and 1965 who are now entering older adulthood in great numbers. So you've got a group of people entering that time of life that is the highest risk for suicide. So that's why it is a real public health concern and challenge because it's not just the older people who are uh, at increased risk, it's that people are moving into that age and bringing with them all of the concerns um, that you've said before. Um, and in terms of prevention, I mean, is there, let's talk about the role for government. I mean, if you're advising a policymaker, state, local, federal, I mean, is it a focus on mental health support services? Where, where do you focus the effort? Because there's a lot of people that are going to be taxing the system or using the system, I should say. So where do you focus your efforts? One way to, to tackle that is to kind of tease apart those five Ds and to think about what is the um, potential approach that addresses each one of those. Because as I said, if um, there is a, a source of intolerable pain for the person which drives their wish to end their life <clears throat> that's related to any one of those things and we can reduce that, then that wish to live will emerge again. So the first is depression. So we have good uh, treatments for depression in later life among older people. There, there are medications, there are a number of different psychotherapies um, that, uh, that clearly benefit depression and also have been shown in initial studies to reduce the risk for suicide on that basis. So first of all is helping older people and their loved ones and caregivers recognize that depression is not normal for older people. Uh, and when it's there, it's a signal that something is amiss and we need to get that person help. The great majority of, of depression care in later life is relatively straightforward and is managed effectively in primary care practices. One of the barriers there though, is that older people are um, appreciate somewhat greater stigma about acknowledging that they have a mental health problem than younger people do nowadays. And hopefully as they grow older, maybe things will get a little easier. But older people don't talk about uh, their depression or their thoughts of suicide uh, as much as other age groups do. So um, it's not just recognizing that depression isn't normal, uh, that it needs help, but then bringing that out and making it part of normal discourse um, where appropriate with one's primary care doctor, great majority of older people in the US have a primary care provider or one of several in a health system. And they are prepared to help address this, but people have to be comfortable talking about it a little bit more. The second is, is disease. Let me lump the disease and the, and the disability together the two second and third Ds. Um, again, every older person is going to uh, encounter these things. Um, and it's just very important that <clears throat> they have access to the kind of care that enables um, timely diagnosis of each problem uh, and um, access to services. Might be 
pain control. It might be rehabilitative services so that they can maintain independent functioning and be comfortable with increasing physical illness burden. Uh, and that's not always the case. Um, certainly assuring that older people have access to good healthcare that is given at the right time in the right place for them is critically important. And I think we've made some, some significant strides in that respect. Uh, slight tangent here uh, that those strides are, for example, the use of integrated care models wherein mental health services are brought into the office of the primary care provider because the older person is much less likely to accept a referral outside of that office by their primary care provider to a mental health clinic. They're just not going to go. But if it's brought in to the primary care office, uh, that consultation, that care uh, through a warm handoff to a mental health provider right down the hall, we know that that's, uh, that's helpful in a lot of ways, much more likely to be acceptable. The, so that's a governmental uh, policy related change that has happened and is gonna continue to happen um, and needs a lot of our, our enthusiastic support. The, yeah, we'll uh, the fourth, uh, the disconnectedness is um, also surprisingly underappreciated for the power that social relationships play in well-being for older people, and indeed for younger and middle-aged people as well. You know, for for ten plus years, the uh, the UK has has had a minister of loneliness, uh, you know, cabinet level almost position <clears throat> created out of concern for the increased social isolation that people were experiencing, and social isolation often is associated with loneliness. So, and it has demonstrable impact on, on all aspects of health, uh, including physical health, like diabetes and blood pressure and so on, but also depression and anxiety and suicidal ideation. Um, so movements are afoot to help develop community-based preventive interventions uh, to reduce social isolation, identify lonely people, and provide them with support. Typically, that comes through the aging services network um, rather than health systems, but it's becoming increasingly recognized that, again, those relationships between physical health, mental health, social health, all actually need to work together optimally. And then the, the last is, is the access to deadly means and, and the firearm issue here. Again, if, if an older man uh, has you know, some physical illness and, and functional disability, but he's got social supports and he's satisfied with his life and he's able to access the health care he needs. No problem with the fact that he's got a couple of rifles in a, in a closet um, and the knowledge and experience to use them because he's been a hunter or he was in the military in Vietnam or Korea. Um, and it's when that older man with that access also becomes then socially isolated and physically ill or functionally impaired and uh, clinically depressed that that access becomes an issue. 
Um, so there are different discussions going on and, and currently in this country, there are very complex discussions about how to balance uh, autonomy, access uh, to firearms by any, any individual with the safety concerns that are raised when people become uh, nearing that, that cliff, that edge over which they could fall so easily. Uh, so all of that, and, and that that's a public health uh, concern as well, and, and one that the discussion is ongoing and needs to be sensitive to the um, particular vulnerability of older men in that regard. Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Dr. Conwell, I mean, obviously, this is something that we're going to have to keep a very close eye on, obviously disconcerting. Hopefully, we can get things trending in the other direction with some of the efforts that you were talking about. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more in all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another edition of PRNAM. We'll have a very special guest. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. And don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.